0: Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your love. And may my words and our hearts together glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the years just after I uh, was, or in the years I was concluding uh, my education at Perkins School of Theology, uh, I got assigned by the district superintendent and the bishop of my conference to be a part-time pastor uh, on the weekends at a United Methodist Church in College Station, Texas. Now, for this Aggie, that was like going back to the Promised Land. Uh, so that was pretty exciting for me, but the pastor that I thought I was gonna work with uh, got reassigned. And so a new pastor came in. And unfortunately, this pastor followed two very beloved pastors of the church. One that had been a long-time pastor, which is unusual in the Methodist church, and uh, then another one who had come in that didn't have quite as long a tenure but still was just dearly beloved by the community. And then here came Charles. He was young. He was a go-getter. He was a great preacher and a good administrator, and he had a vision for the church, a big vision. And he came in like a tornado, and he had great ambition for the church. I mean, he probably had some ambition for him too, but he really had ambition for the church. And, um, and so he came in, and the first thing he did, he changed the whole worship order. And then he did all kind of other things. And, and so I'd come in on the weekends, and people were just snorting and fuming and had smoke coming out their ears. And, uh, and, uh, and I liked him a lot. And I, was just, I just admired his preaching so, so much. Well, it turns out that there was a couple in the church. You know, you know how this story's going to go. They were big contributors, and they really had been longtime members of the church. They were well respected in the community in Bryan College Station for their musical talents and they were really remarkable. And uh, they were had been committed to the church for a long time and they did not like Charles, not one iota. So uh, they started a campaign to get the district superintendent to move him to another church. And you know, they did what a lot of people do when they're at the church, and they're angry. See those Christians, how they love one another. Uh, anyway, they started a campaign and started talking to people and saying not nice things about Charles. And he knew it was happening. And then they sent letters out to people and said, "Join our campaign and to get the district superintendent <laughs> to move him." And and then when that didn't work, they just quit coming to church and quit giving their money. So uh, Charles stayed in touch with them. He reached out to them, and I know this because I was working with him, and I, he told me these things. And so uh, he reached out to them and asked them to come back to church, and uh, he didn't ask for their money. He just asked them to come back to church. He he uh, told them, he sent them notes saying that he was praying for them and hoped that they were well, and then especially when one of them got quite ill and was hospitalized. And so he He prayed he went to the hospital to see them but they really would have nothing to do with him so um, I know it was a heartache for him but he finally decided one day to go to their home and so he went to their home and stood there on the front step was not invited in and said uh, this Sunday is the first Sunday of the month and as you know we share in Holy Communion and so I'd like to invite you to come And if I'm the reason you're not coming, I'm not going to be there this Sunday. I have another commitment, and there will be another preacher, and I want you to feel safe and comfortable coming. Well, can you imagine that? Oh, oh, I was just so, I I wanted to shake him, you know? What are you thinking? (laughs) Well, they didn't come. And, uh, but you know, I know that he continued to pray for them. At that point, he decided he had done all he could do, so he quit trying to reach out and reel them back in, but I know he continued to pray for them. I thought, what a model for me as a young pastor. Well, I wasn't young exactly, but as a pastor coming out of seminary, to have a mentor like him to show me how I could deal with people who I didn't agree with. I was so blessed to be under his leadership, and, and, and yet I continue to struggle with people I disagree with and people who maybe are not kind to me. And, um, and anyway, I just, uh, I think about that as we get to today's scripture. You know, uh, so I'll let you know, Charles is retiring this year, and all I have to say is, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, He showed me what compassion under stress looks like. So when we hear today's gospel lesson, uh, I want to remind you this important thing. When Jesus is teaching here in the Sermon on the Mount, he's not teaching us to be perfect. Because Charles wasn't perfect. He's teaching us to be faithful. Jesus is teaching us to spend the time necessary that we can be faithful followers and love God and love our neighbors and love our enemies. So um, this is the third Sunday we've been in a study of the Sermon on the Mount. We started with, you know, Jesus starts by blessing everybody. (laughs) Blessed are the poor, blessed are the, you know those who grieve, and you know. I mean, what a great way to start a sermon, you know. And then last week, Jesus spoke about our essential nature as children of God, that we are to be salt and light, and how salt flavors things and light brings life to the world. Okay? Now Jesus turns, yeah. Now Jesus turns to an interpretation of the law of. Of Moses, that he seems to, at the outset, take issue with. Because he goes through a series of teachings and he says, you have heard it said, but I say to you. So at the outset, you would think he was in disagreement with the law, but he's not. In fact, he is not in disagreement with the law at all. He is expanding the law. Which is what God does in the world, you know. So, um, so in this week's reading, Jesus focuses on four subjects. We only heard one of them. Four subjects drawn from the laws in Exodus and Deuteronomy: murder, adultery, divorce, and and lying, basically. And you thought, why did I come to church today? <laughs> This is that day when we get that sermon, right? Now, um, just a reminder that uh, the first of the teachings, the one on murder is the one we heard, but each follows a similar pattern. You have heard it said, but I say to you. And these are the hard, hard lessons, right? Nobody wants to hear that if you murder your neighbor your, you know, and if you don't follow what Jesus is teaching that you're going to burn in hell nobody wants that nobody wants to talk about that and in fact that's really not what Jesus is about here so these are the hard lessons and in our contemporary Christianity over the centuries we have used these teachings to judge and punish people that's the truth well, not just contemporary Christians, but all since the beginning of this whole thing, people have cherry-picked these lessons in order to punish people and judge them. So as we start into this, I just want to remind you that in terms of the heart, which is what I believe Jesus is trying to get at here, that it was at the center of his Hebrew faith that when uh, people in first century Palestine talked about the heart, it was considered to be the central organ of a person's thought, intention, and moral life. So remember that in Matthew's gospel, when Jesus is asked the name of the greatest commandment, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So Jesus is drawing from the Hebrew laws found in Deuteronomy and Leviticus there. And this greatest commandment is the key to Jesus' teaching. If all the law and the prophets hang on twofold love of God and neighbor then we should interpret any particular law as a way of living out that love and doing so with all your heart. Jesus is talking about loving with all your heart, and not just loving, but living with all your heart. So you see, Jesus is not doing away with the law or changing the law, but um, is asking us to consider these things within the law of the greatest commandment. To understand Jesus' teaching on the law, we need to remember that the whole purpose of the law was to provide guidance for a healthy life in community, in community with God, in community with neighbors. And I like the way Diana Butler Bass invites us to look at those teachings. What she says is, on the surface, it appears that it would be not terribly hard to keep the Ten Commandments. Murder, stealing, lying, adultery. Uh, the majority of us know when we've done those things, right? <laughs> or when we've not. Jesus affirms this. And, and we also know when we've been tempted to do those things or have had those thoughts, right? And don't tell me you hadn't. It's been a pretty difficult political season, right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> So, Jesus affirms the commandments and doesn't replace them with a new commandment. Jesus isn't dismissing, diminishing, or showing that the law is in any way inadequate. Instead, he wants to enlarge it and widen the commandments from external obedience, which is good, of course, to include internal self-examination include the secret things that shame our hearts okay I know this is not fun you stay with me it's going to get better I promise so for us this morning in the case of our gospel reading rightly understood you shall not murder actually prohibits the entire range of hostile destructive behavior from anger to insult to homicide it's the whole thing And in its place, Jesus continues, we should live out not just the absence of enmity, but rather the presence of the opposite, friendship. You know what Martin Luther King Jr. had to say about that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can drive out hate. And Martin Luther King Jr. is speaking in the words of Jesus there. And Jesus takes a similar approach to adultery, divorce, lying, and, and the other commandments. Bass explains it this way. Instead, Jesus seems to be pressing his listeners toward a deeper self awareness of the law. So she explains You say you've never murdered, but I ask you, where does murder really begin? You say you've never committed adultery, but I ask you, what is the first step toward infidelity? You say you've never sworn falsely, but I ask you, are you true to your word? It makes me squirm a little bit, right? But it is the movement towards self-reflection, self-examination. So when I read this scripture on Monday morning this week and realized it was the assigned gospel for the, for the Sunday, I just groaned, and I know you probably groaned when you started hearing it read. I mean, who wants to preach or even hear a sermon about all these things? So why do we dread it? Well, over the years, these teachings, it turns out, have been um, a movement toward anti-Semitism. So as the Christian church formed, if you hear the scripture, you have heard it said, which is the Hebrew scripture, but I say to you, which is the Christian scripture, then it's easy to say that this is about what's right, the Hebrew, what's right, the Christian scripture, and what's wrong, the Hebrew scriptures. And lots and lots of Christians over time have done exactly that thing. It has led Christians to believe that Jesus was replacing the law and teaching that the law is only good as far as it reveals sin. But Jesus loved the law. He loved the commandments. He loved the Torah. The faith of Israel is in the law and the covenant. God promises, and the people choose and follow. Rabbi Jesus, hear me, Rabbi Jesus keeps the heart of the matter in front of us by asking questions. And the hard one is, why is it so hard to choose and keep the law? Especially when you expand it out. This kind of self-examination is the core of of biblical spirituality. This is what we do as people of faith. We look inward. And that kind of examination is hard, and that means that following God's way means choosing a path that begins in our hearts. When people have come to me to talk about their relationships, and and they're having trouble in their relationships, I ask them, is this relationship life-giving? Or is this relationship dealing death? Not physical death, necessarily, but death to your heart and your soul. If death, then are there ways to resurrect it? Because that's what Jesus and God have promised us. And if life, then are there ways to strengthen it? You see, we are constantly faced with choices of how we will respond to God and neighbor, much less our enemies. And Jesus teaches us that we can choose life but it will require self-examination and behavioral changes in our hearts and our whole being. But like the famous prophet Buzz Lightyear, (laughs) Jesus calls us to choose to go to infinity and beyond, above and beyond what we think we can do and what we can become. Wasn't that a pretty good imitation of Buzz Lightyear? <laughs> uh, so today, as Valentine's Day looms on the horizon, a day we speak of love, perhaps we can do as St. Valentine did, and live out our love of God by how we deal with the people we love as well as our enemies. The emperor became his enemy, but he went about doing the love of God among the people that he was serving. And we are asked to help in this journey of the the heart Uh, I'm going to send around this basket. So in this basket are cards, Valentine's actually, and I invite you to take one. And then you open it, and in it, there is a word. And this is your word for 2023, your heart word, right? And this, put it in some place where you can think about it and reflect on it and ask yourself, am I living into this, right? So I'm going to send it around. I'm going to send these around, and everybody take one if you choose. I'm not forcing; just if you choose. And I hope that together it will strengthen our collective journey as we live into these words. And uh, and I invite you to contemplate it with your heart, and then to ask yourself questions: How does this word challenge me? How does it encourage me to live in the way Jesus taught us? How does it draw me close to God and my neighbors and even my enemies? And what choices will I make having contemplated this heart word? So I leave you with this question from Mary Oliver, the poet Mary Oliver, from her poem A Summer's Day, A Summer Day, that she ends her poem with when she says, Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild, precious, life what do you plan to do with your one wild precious life this is the choice we get to make how we are going to live and the apostle paul prayed for you and me so that we don't have to do this on our own long ago before we were even the twinkle in god's eye god paul prayed for us saying i pray that you may have the power to comprehend With all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Happy Valentine's Day. Amen.